Now, if you've attended this church for any amount of time, you know that we don't talk about money here. Uh, very rarely. I think I've preached, uh, I've been here 25 years. This is 25th year. I think I've preached two messages on tithing that, in the whole time. And we, we've always believed that, as Hudson Taylor, the missionary, once said, work done God's way will never lack God's supply. And the people will give back in measure that they're given to. So I thank you for, you've always been a very generous congregation. Now I'm the, I'm the third up in, uh, in a topic, uh, you, God, and money. And I'm going to share with you something about tithing in a way that I hope you've never seen it before. This is the way I view it. I want to share a little bit of my own journey in coming to understand what this is all about. And coming to understand that tithing is just a little bit bigger than giving a tenth of your income to the work of God. That's only really the beginning. Let's pray before we start today. So Father, I thank you with all my heart today, Lord, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit, because your word indeed is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. And Lord, you own the heavens. You don't need our tenth. So would you show us why you ask for it? What is it all about? What are you trying to produce in our lives? Where are you leading us? What is it, God, that you patiently try to work inside of each of us, Lord, to bring us to somewhere that you've destined us to go? Would you give me the ability to convey this clearly? And would you give all of us who are here the ability to hear this? And I thank you for it with all of my heart in Jesus' name. Uh, a chicken and a pig were walking down the road together one day. <laughs> and they came across a homeless man who looked quite hungry. So the chicken turned to the pig and said, why don't we make him breakfast? <laughs> the pig looked back at the chicken and said, for you, it's a tithe. For me, it's total commitment. <laughs> and those are the two bookends of giving into the work of God and in the work of God. Tithing is really only the beginning of trust. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse one, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So in reality, tithing is only the beginning of trust and ultimately, God is looking for you and I to be completely abandoned to his will. To be abandoned to the point where we trust him in all things. Things that make sense and things that don't. But God is so merciful that he, if he would ask you, if he would have asked me at the beginning, if I, if I would have just come to an altar of salvation, and he would have come to me and said, I want you to give your whole life in totality. I want you to give your future to me. I want to give your family. I, I couldn't have endured it. I, I honestly couldn't have. I remember the first time I heard in the church about tithing, I almost died right on the spot. A tenth of my income. And back then, I, all I remember is a tenth was $20 at that time. It was, a, it was, a, I was a tenth of what I was taking home in my paycheck. And, you know, I, I felt like, uh, Peter, in, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28, where he said, Lord, when he's being bidden to come out of the boat and walk on the water, 
Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. That's exactly the way I felt because tithing, 10% of our income is the beginning of learning to trust God. I, I, I wasn't much of a churchgoer when I was growing up. And the church that we did visit occasionally, offering time sounded like a hailstone on a tin roof. It was just all nickels and dimes and quarters going into this pan that was designed to make it very loud. I don't know why they made it so loud. And every once in a while when I was a kid, it would pass by and there'd be a dollar in it. And I'd go, wow, somebody gave a dollar. And, and then all of a sudden I, I, I come to Christ and I'm, I'm in the church and I've heard my first ever sermon on tithing, a tenth of my income. And I, I remember thinking, oh my goodness. And then so you immediately start thinking about all that you could do with that money. All, you know, wow, $20, that's $80 a month, that's $960 a year. Uh, I mean, back in, back in those days, you could buy a pretty good used car for that. I, I guess you can't today, but you could back then. And I've, I've, got, uh, I've got a farm to run. I've got three uh, children. My wife is a stay-at-home mom at that time. And it's just immediately, but yet there's something in my heart that I feel God calling me to trust him, calling me. As a matter of fact... Tithing is the only place in the Bible where God asks us to put him to the test. It's the only place. In other places, you remember the children of Israel, there was a season in their life where they said, can God furnish a table in this wilderness? And it was really accounted to them for sin because they should have known better by this point. But God is merciful to us. And it's the only place you and I are not allowed technically to challenge God and say, are, are you truthful? Are you honest? But God says, no, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you to prove me, put me to the test and see if I'm not as truthful as I say I am about this. And in Malachi chapter three, verses 10 to 12, he says this word, bring all the ties into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me, test me. In another translation, it says, Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, he's not talking just about money here, folks. You talk about the blessing of a sound mind, the blessing of a heart of faith, the blessing of giftings of the Spirit of God, the blessings of soundness in your home and in your family, the blessings of a clear vision for the future. There's so much. He said, There's, I, I will open heaven to you. And not, we're not talking just dollars and cents here. I'll pour out something into you that you will not have room to receive what I'm going to give you. And then he goes on to say, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. You will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I remember in the early years when I headed out into full-time ministry, learning to trust God. I, I tell you folks, I, I used to be a very meticulous financial keeper. I had, a, I had a ledger book and I would have all, I'd columns in the ledger book of, uh, you know, car insurance and food and clothing and all the things in there. And so it started with the general income and then it would kind of break down into increments for each one of these columns. I was quite meticulous in it. But I remember looking at it one day and I was saying, God, this, is, this does, doesn't make sense. I, I, don't have, I, I don't have enough left at the end of the month to, to pay these things. And the Lord spoke clearly to me that day. He said, close your, close your ledger book and trust me. 
And folks, I got to tell you something. He has never failed me one time my entire life. I learned that if I am willing to trust him, he is truthful to his word. He does not fail. And suddenly there's an ability to speak the word of God. Suddenly there's a blessing coming into my home, my family, into my life. I, I feel led of God. I feel led to pray. I feel led to trust him. And, and, and it starts with this, this tithing is a baby step in a walk of faith. That's really what it is. A lot of people start tithing and they think they've arrived. Somehow you're, you're at heaven's gate because you're giving a tenth of your income. No, you're not. You've just started to trust God at that point. You start, you've, technically speaking, we're giving him back a tenth of his own. It doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to him. It's like I gave somebody here a dollar, gave Larry here in the front row a dollar, and I said, now give me back a dime. He says, no, it belongs to me. You just gave me a dollar. I'm not giving you a dime. And that's the way it works with God. He says, I'm going to give it to you, and I just want you to give me back a tenth and prove me in this whether or not I can be trusted and that I will bless you. Tithing is the beginning of trust. The Lord used to fill our freezer for us. I never lacked for a vehicle. It wasn't always the most updated model of a car. Some of them blew a little blue smoke out the back, but nevertheless got me where I was going <laughs> from point A to point B. You understand what I'm saying? I wasn't always eating filet mignon, but we were eating. And God has been faithful. God has been faithful. Over the years, he's asked Pastor Teresa and I sometimes for a lot more than a tenth. He's, and we've learned to trust him. We've learned to, to hold everything not tightly, but just let him have what he wants to have. And I've found something. You, you can never outgive God. That's a, that is true. You can't outgive God. He will always be true to his word. And the more I've trusted him, the more I've learned to trust him. You don't just start from point zero and end up in Africa speaking to 500,000 people in a war zone. That's, that's where God will take sometimes some of our lives. We start with that basic trust. God, I trust you that if I obey you in this little thing that you will do for me and through me everything that you have told me that you're going to do. Tithing to the work of God or supporting the work of God also shows the priority and the value that we actually place on the work of God in the earth. And so the question comes to mind is, is your heart one with Jesus? Am I with him? He says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's why he said elsewhere, you can't serve two things. You can't serve God and money at the same time. You can't be a slave to money and be a servant to God. Is your heart one with God? Is his mission yours? Do you and I actually consider the winning of the loss to be the, the paramount work that we're given to do on the earth? Are, are, do we count it a privilege to actually be thrust into the work of God? Are, are, I, I feel sad today because in much of the Christian church, people in our generation are just coming to the church to see what they can get. Not what we can give, not to say, God, grow me in grace. Give me the giftings of your spirit. Let faith start to abound in my heart. For this is the work of God in the earth. 
the saving, the redemption of the lost because nothing else. Wall Street will not be here one day. This church building will not be here. New York City will not be here. But every soul you and I win to Christ will be with us in eternity for all of eternity. So the question comes to mind, what is of value? What do we really esteem? Where is our security found? Is it in the work of God, in the promises of God? Is it in becoming the person that God has called us to be and being involved in his work on the earth? Or are we just looking for our 401k to give us security? It can't be both. And Jesus said it himself. You can't serve both of those masters because you'll end up loving one and hating the other. And so, folks, we have to have the courage to say, God, is, is my heart in, in the work of God? Is, is that my treasure? Do I rejoice with the angels every time a soul comes to Christ on Sunday night in this church? Do I rejoice every time a hand is raised, every time somehow through this work that God's led me to become involved in, the kingdom of God is advanced and the lost are brought to the life and to the light of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. There is no fulfillment in any other pursuit in the kingdom of God. A lot of people are coming to churches throughout the nation and they're being told about themselves. It's all, all over here is about you. It's about you. It's about you. It's about you. Now, there's a measure of that. I suppose it's necessary, but ultimately it's about them. It's about them. It's about them. It's about people are heading into a Christless eternity, a place called hell, a place of fire and torment, a place of darkness that's so thick you couldn't touch it, a place of anguish where people cry and sound does not travel. There's a total absence of comfort for all of eternity, and people are going there. That's what it means to be in a place where God is not. And so how important is it for you and I to be engaged in the work of God, to win the lost at every cost? In a time when God was willing to show mercy, the people became willing to give throughout history. Psalm 110 verse 3, the scripture says, your people shall be willing. King James says it that way. It says volunteers in the new King James, but I like the old King James better. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. In other words, in the day when you are sending out a powerful testimony, a powerful witness, when you are moving among the people and bringing people out of darkness and into light, your people shall be willing at whatever cost to be engaged in that work, to give to that work, to support that work, to trust that work. Go with me to the book of First Chronicles chapter 29, please, if you will. First Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 29. Now, this is a moment. This is a divine moment in history. David the king has been given the pattern of a temple by the Spirit of God. He has passed that pattern on to his son Solomon, and he has made every preparation personally, and he's challenging the people to make preparation because he believes that God has shown him that this temple is going to bring glory to the name of God in the earth. And of course, history bears out that that was true. He had heard from the Lord. Solomon's temple, there was nothing like it in the world. Kings came from foreign lands. The queen of Sheba came and God took her breath away. There was a presence of God in this temple. 
And it's always been the will of God that we so move towards his work that he can manifest his glory and people will come in and their resistance to the presence of God will be taken away. Their contrary arguments to truth will dissolve and fall through their fingers and they will bend their knee like men and women need to in our time. And so we take a look at what God is doing here now in this church and others like it. In this time of incredible darkness, in this time when bitter division is touching our nation, in this time when civility is lost, truth is gone. It's fallen into the streets. Truth doesn't matter anymore in this generation. In this season where we're not only killing children in the womb, but our children are being gender confused in our grade schools. Intentionally, folks, might I add. They're being told there is no God in high school and told not to pray if they do believe there is a God. They're being radicalized against both God and country in our colleges. I shared in this Charisma article that you're going to read about, we're not losing the culture war in America, we lost the culture war. The only hope now is a spiritual revival in America. That is our hope for the future. And so to that end, God is building a house. I personally believe this is a moment of God's power. I do. I personally believe there's a cry being produced in the nation right now where people are so sick of the incivility, so sick of the lies, so sick of perversion being paraded as some, something virtuous, so tired of our homes and our families, so tired of even senior citizens now being opiate addicted in our towns and in our cities. So sick of the hopelessness in this society, so tired, they say, oh God, show your power one more time. Show your power now to another generation that are living in darkness, living in hopelessness, as you have done throughout history, when there have been people who called out to you, sought your face and turned away God from everything that was making them weak. You heard their prayer, you forgave their sin and you healed their land. That's who you are. I feel one more time God saying, prove me now in this, prove me in this and see who I am and see what I'm willing to do. The scripture says the people were willing or will be willing in the day of his power, will be willing to get on board, will be willing to say, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. I'm gonna trust God. I'm not gonna trust my financial ledger. I'm not gonna trust my own intellect. I'm not gonna trust my own reasoning. The day is dark. People need oil in their lamps. The nation needs revival. I'm going, I'm going in, I'm going all the way. If it's you, Jesus, call me and I'm gonna to walk to you on the water. I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to start with a tenth, but I'm going way beyond that because your call in my life is to yield my body as a living sacrifice. But oh God, you're so merciful. You don't start there because I couldn't handle it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't make the jump. It's too much. It's too big a step of faith. Thank God you're willing to start me on small steps and help me learn to trust you. But oh God, I'm going to start somewhere. I'm going to get involved in your work and I'm going to do this thing that you're asking me to do and I'm going to believe you, Lord God, that this is the day of your power. Now I want you to listen to the words of King David in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. What was his heart in the building of this testimony in the earth? Oh God, oh God, would you give us a testimony of your glory again? Oh Lord Jesus Christ, would you show us 
what you desire to do at this time that we're now living. Oh God, would you deliver us from self-consumption and focus and help us to understand that there's a much bigger battle at hand. Would you revive your church again, Lord? Would you revive your people? Would you make us willing again in the day of your power? First Chronicles chapter 29, beginning at verse three, the words of King David at the end of his days. Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, I've given to the house of my God over and above all that I prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver, 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses. Gold for things of gold, silver for things of silver, and for all kinds of work to be done by the hands of craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? In other words, here's what David is saying. I'm not asking you to do anything I'm not doing myself. I'm giving of what God's given to me. I'm giving it for this house. Now David knew he'd be dead before this house was built. But he said, I'm giving to this house and I'm preparing for this house and I'm, I'm, I'm not hoarding, I'm not laying up for some other reason. I'm giving it to the work of God so that Christ himself or God of that day would be honored in the earth. And he asked this question, who is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord. Then the leaders of the father's houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the officers over the king's work offered willingly. It starts with the leadership. It starts with those that God has placed in leadership in the body. And David's saying, I'm not in this for myself. I'm in it for the glory of God. And I'm willing to give whatever God asks of me so that his name might be glorified. I have tithed all my life. I've faithfully tithed to the work of God. I've given way beyond the tithe to the house of the Lord. I'm not going to tell you how much. It's not your business, but it's been, it's been a lot of times. The Lord has asked us one time for all of our savings. We gave it all to the work of God. Another time he asked for half, and the half was a whole lot more than all in previous years. And we gave it to the work of God. And then he's asked us for other things at other times, for other purposes and for other things that he was doing in his body throughout the earth. And I can't tell you what they are because if I do, I'll lose my reward. Do you understand? That's what the Bible says. I'm not to tell you what the figures are because then you, you'll clap and my reward in heaven is gone. So I'm not interested in any of that. Now I'm 65 years old and there's a time in my life, I'll tell you a couple of years ago, I was just saying, oh God, I've worked so hard for so long. I've worked full time since I well, part and part, started part time when I was 13 years old. I've, I've worked all my life. I've worked hard. I've driven this, this, this physical body with the gas pedal on the floor for many, many years. And, and Lord, I'd like to smell some of the roses now. I'd like to just take it easy for a little while. Can I, can I join all the people that go to Florida for the rest of their lives and, <laughs> and, and wait in heaven? I call it heaven's waiting room in Florida. <laughs> well, you go to church on Sunday and the rest of the week is, what are we going to eat now? What are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat next? You know? and go and pick up seashells on the shore and do all kinds of stuff like that. It's really nice stuff. Anybody that's from Florida, no offense to you, but this is not the time for that, folks. This is not the time for that. This is a, a time where God is calling everyone back into his kingdom. And I remember one day I was praying and, and suddenly the hand of God just reaches down to me and he says, give me the final tithe of your life. Give me the final 10th. I don't know how long I've got. I might have another 10 or 15 years if I'm blessed. 
But he says, give me, your, give me the tithe. Give me the rest of your days. Let them be in my hand. Let it be coin that's spent for the good of my kingdom. It's not your will that's going to get you through to the end. It's mine. And David was doing this at the end of his life, and he called out for others to do the same. Then the leaders in verse 7 of 1 Chronicles 29 gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord and into the hand of Yehiel the Gershonite. Verse 9 says, then the people rejoiced for they had offered willingly. There's something happens in the heart when the, the strength and the lure and the, of money is broken from you. Something happens in your heart. There's a release in the spirit. I can't describe it any other way. When, when money, yes, it's necessary to pay the bills and it's necessary to, to, to have your clothes and maybe help your kids or whatever you're going to do with it. But there's a, a beautiful joy comes into the Christian heart when it, it no longer governs you anymore. If God asks for it, God can have it. Whatever God needs, God, you are willingly. When there's a willingness in the heart to support the work of God, there's a rejoicing. And there's some here that can bear witness to that this afternoon. There's a rejoicing when the cords of mammon are broken off your heart. There's a rejoicing. In other words, God has the right to anything that he sends into my life. Quite often, he will bless you in incredible measure, <clears throat> not so that you can keep it and start to trust in it, but he gives you as a temporary steward of it. And at some point, he might ask for, for that and, and there's a willingness, there's a, a joy that comes into the heart. It says, because with a, <coughs> a loyal heart, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> they had offered willingly to the Lord. <coughs> and King David also rejoiced greatly. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, <coughs> our father forever and ever. Thank you so much. See, the Lord knows what you need, even before you ask. <laughs> what are you waiting for? <laughs> now let's get back to what David was saying in verse 10. He blessed the Lord before all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make, a great, to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. See, David had it in right perspective. He was able to say, God, I don't have anything that doesn't belong to you. And you have given what you thought I should have for the purposes of my life on the earth. And you've only asked for a portion of it back for your plans. You know, God doesn't need our tithe. He owns everything. He doesn't need it. But he chooses to work through his church. He chooses to invite us into this glorious work that he's doing in the earth by reaching out his hand and blessing us and then says, now 
trust me. Don't let this become your trust. Trust me. Trust me. I won't fail you. I won't forsake you. David the king could say at the end of his life, I've been young and now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Never. I've traveled many places throughout the world now. And I've, I've been in a lot of places and I can say like David, that is true. I have never seen the righteous, those who are in right relationship with God, those who are walking in obedience to God. I have never seen them forsaken and I've never seen them or their children begging for bread. In verse 15, he says, for we are aliens and pilgrims before you as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow and without hope. Verse 16, he says, O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build you a house for your holy name is from your hand and is all your own. In other words, we're not doing you a favor, God, by giving to your work. It all belongs to you. You've done us a favor by giving us something so we can give a tenth back to you. I know also, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now with joy, I've seen your people who are present here to offer willingly to you. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the intent of the thoughts of the heart of your people and fix their heart towards you. David said, God, don't let your people ever forget this. Don't let your people ever lose the joy of being partakers in this great, great work that you have given us to do for your namesake on the earth. Don't let us start operating independently of you. Don't let us set our thoughts above your thoughts. Don't let us succumb to the sin of the devil himself that he sowed in humanity in the Garden of Eden to cause humankind to think that we can do things another way and still receive the blessing of God. David said, let your people always rejoice when, when they know that what they're involved in is of the Spirit. When they know, God, that you are building something in the earth that's going to give glory to your name. When they see the darkness of the hour and they know that God is calling his church again one more time to engage fully the work that he's given them to do in the earth. Let your people always, always be engaged with the work of God in the earth. David said, keep this thought forever in the intent and the thoughts and the heart of the people and fix their heart towards you. And so as your pastor, this is my cry for you. This is not a sermon about, there's going to be no buckets past you today. You'll not be forced to march down the aisle and give to. This is about your life. This is about your lifestyle. It's what you're going to become in Christ. It's about your willingness to start at the beginning as we started this message, to start at the beginning with the tithe and move towards the full dedication of your life to the purposes of God, where you're actually, you've learned to prove God. You've seen how faithful God really is. It's produced a deepening trust in your heart. And at the end or in a, in farther down the road, when he calls for you for everything, just like Isaiah, you're there, you're saying, Lord, send me, I'll go. I trust you. I, I've proven you, Lord. 
I took you at your word and you've not failed me. You're not a liar. You're not a man. You can't lie. You were true. I gave to you and you poured out the windows of heaven. I often think, I often think of what would have happened if I would have kept my $20? Where would I be today? I'd probably retired from the police department. Seriously. Probably ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. It was a big step for me. By today's standards, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was a huge step for me. But by God's grace, Pastor Teresa and I took that step. And we started to give to God. The next thing you know, we've got 17 people in our home for the winter. We've started a Bible study. I get a call. I, get, I went out to this little country church and asked them for their church. Because there was no testimony within a 40 miles radius. And they ended up giving me the church for free on a Wednesday night. I sent out flyers into the whole community. I get a phone call from a guy that I, I only met maybe once. And he says, I'm from the Gideons and we've just cleaned out in the Holiday Inn at the time. He said, we just cleaned it out of all the uh, English Bibles and we put uh, bilingual French and English Bibles in their place. And he said, my entire garage is full of Bibles. And he said, I was praying about what to do with them and your name came into my mind. I just started a Bible study. I said, I said I'll take the whole thing. Just bring the whole truckload of them out. I'll take them all. And, Started giving away free Bibles in the community. I, it just goes on and on and on. We bought our first church for a dollar. We, we got a, a five-acre brick school for a tax receipt. We started a food bank. We were feeding hundreds of families. We launched the Gospel of Mark as a textbook into the Russian school system when the Iron Curtain came down, grades six and seven in the entire country. I, I could just go on about what God did. It all started with that moment in my heart where I heard a sermon said, God asks for a tenth of what he's given you back into his work. And, and, and realistically, everything that God has done through my life, I think there's certain moments, there's pivotal moments. It's not the only one, but there's pivotal moments where, where we, we set ourselves on a course of God doing something that only God can do. It, it's, it's choices that we make. Choices that we, we hear God speaking. It, it is the day of his power. He, he does want to do something supernatural in a, in a spiritually bankrupt time and, and asks us to take a step of faith that we've never taken before. So I'm not speaking on this topic for my sake. It's for yours. I've already walked this journey. He's already done things through my life and he's continuing to open doors that are phenomenal. It's amazing the doors that God is opening. But it's not about me, it's about you. It's about where you're going to go, what your life is going to amount to. How deep are you going to get into the work of God? Let this always be in the hearts of your people, David said. I believe with all my heart that we are living in the day of God's power again. The nation is bankrupt, folks. Bankrupt morally, bankrupt politically, bankrupt, just bankrupt, even spiritually bankrupt. And there's a cry now coming into the, among the people. People are tired, they're sighing, they, they hate turning on the news. It's, it's just one disaster after another. People are sick of the incivility 
and there's a cry. And you remember always in the Bible, look, read Psalm 107, talks about the rebellious and people who think that commerce is going to give them a future and, and everything falls apart and they end up despairing, hungry, thirsty, behind iron bars. Then they cried. And that was the season where God came to Moses and said, I've heard the cry. I've heard the cry. And I believe we're there again with all my heart. And if ever, if ever there was time to invest in the kingdom of God, it's now. So Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your people that are gathered here today. I thank you, Father, that you have laid out before us in these last three Sundays something so very simple, but yet so profound. It really does determine our future, whether we trust you or not, for this is a kingdom of faith, not, not of works. It's a kingdom of faith. And so I pray today for those who have never taken the step of even tithing in your house, that you would give everyone the courage to step out of the boat and start believing you in this one thing and to see where it leads. You said you challenged us to prove you. So God Almighty, I challenge the people to prove you. I thank you, Lord, that you've never failed me, or my wife or my children. God, and everywhere you called me that I went by faith, you blessed it. It has been an amazing journey. Thank you that you gave me the courage to give that $20 way, way back then. Oh God, thank you. Thank you. Let this be, I pray, in the hearts of your people until you come and take us home. And I ask it in Jesus' name. I felt checked of the Holy Spirit uh, just when I went back to my chair that the Lord was saying, no, I, I do want you to give an altar call for people who just want to learn to trust God in financial matters. It's just, it's, and I recognize it's hard at times, you know, if, if never done it you never heard of it and 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 i know that there's there's bills that have to be paid and and such like things but just for people maybe you're you're here today and you're like i was back then in the beginning and you just you just want to trust god it's just so hard but you want to trust him in financial matters and if that's you uh i'm just gonna ask you to slip out of your seat and just come and join these two gentlemen that are here already and and we're just going to pray for you in just a moment. We're going to pray together. God, just give me the grace to give me the grace to be faithful in financial things. Give me the grace, God, to trust you and to prove you and to believe you. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, we recognize that when the people were willing, a temple was built and the glory of God came into that temple, Lord. Oh, God, I ask you, Lord, for Times Square Church that the glory of the Lord would come down, that you would visit us in a new way, a powerful way, oh God, that there would be a rejoicing here that is indescribable, something of the Spirit, oh God. Oh Lord God, that you would put oil in this lamp, oh God, this testimony that you've established in the middle of Times Square and use it to give light to many, oh God. But help us, Lord, to be willing in the day of your power. Thank you for these men and women who have been honest before you. And I know that you will not fail any who put their trust in you. And I thank you for them, oh God, with all my heart. With all my heart, I say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, 
thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.